second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India at home. Lords goes wild. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the 81 All Out podcast. We're recording uh, just a little after the World Cup final between uh, England and New Zealand. A final that ended in a tie and then again ended in a tie before uh, England went on to be uh, awarded the trophy. They had scored uh, more number of boundaries, so they won on that count. Uh, to talk to me about uh, the game, we have uh, 81 All Out regulars, uh, Suhas Jaraman, the cricket coach. Hey, Siddharth. And uh, we also have uh, KD at the Cricketing View. Hi, Karthikeya. Hey, hi. How are you? Hi, good. So, um, first of all, before we get into this, a note to the listeners. Number one, you guys have been fantastic through this World Cup. Thanks so much for listening. It's been great to have your support. And uh, please continue to pass on feedback, etc., etc. And we'll uh, be hopefully continuing to do regular podcasts after the World Cup. Number two, because this game had so much to discuss and uh, because we have only a certain amount of time for this podcast, we hope to do uh, something more on this game in a day or two, talking about uh, the various aspects that went, went into it. So we may miss out on quite a bit today. Uh, we will be focusing primarily on the latter stages of the game, uh, the run chase, the uh, super over, and uh, all the drama that went on with it. So let me start with the main talking point of the game. And uh, Subhash, the way to decide a World Cup winner, uh, fair? Are you okay with it? Uh, what's your reaction? Um, it is fair and I have to be okay with it to the extent that it was in the books before the tournament and all the participating teams accepted. However, it is unfair in a similar way that uh, South Africa had to score 22 runs of one ball in the 92 semifinal. From that point of view, I'm sure that rule is going to change. In cricket, it's how many runs uh, and it's runs and wickets that matter, not how you get those runs, how you get those wickets. That does matter, does not matter. So uh, given that both teams were even on the number of runs and New Zealand had lost one less wicket than England, from the very cricketing point of view, I would say England, sorry, New Zealand were slightly ahead. But if you say runs are all that matters, then they are both even. They could have given the trophy. So I think it's an asinine, it's, it's a rule, but it's an asinine rule. And I'm sure it will be changed. Kartikeya? No, I agree with Subhash. I, I mean, it's a, everybody agreed with the rule. And to that extent, there's no controversy. But I mean, England has become now the first team in nearly... 4,200 official one-day international games to be bowled out in a run chase and still win the game. And that's sort of basically, I think, in the cricket sense that there's something wrong about that. Uh, and, I mean, to be fair, this was a... That this, would, this could be possible was permitted under the rules that govern this tournament. So, uh, I mean, traditionally in the past... Ties have been decided by the team in the favor of the team which loses the fewer, fewer number of wickets. 
right? Basically, there are two finite resources in this, in the limited overs game, right? There are wickets and there are overs. In, at the end of 100 overs, both teams had equal number of runs. So that didn't separate them. Once that didn't separate them, then in New Zealand lost two wickets fewer than England. And that does separate them. And under rules which have governed tournaments in the past, New Zealand would have been world champions. I mean, Duckworth Lewis considers, you know, wickets as a resource and overs as a resource. So it's even in even under some parts of the rules uh, which govern this tournament, you consider runs and wickets. But in some other parts, even if they are not equal, you ignore that. I, it's a very unsatisfactory end in a way to the World Cup. So you know? the reason for this boundary thing, again, is it, uh, I mean, number one, I'm assuming someone thought through this. Maybe they didn't. But if they did think through this, is it a commercial reason? Like the more number of boundaries you hit, the assumption is that cricket is more exciting. Because the odds of this rule being invoked to decide who the world champion is are so small. So many things have to go in a particular fashion and come down to this. You get tied at the end of the game and you get tied at the end of the Super Over. What are the chances of that? How many World Cup finals have ended in ties? How many World Cup matches have ended in ties? You know, there have been few, but... And then now you calculate the odds of how you're going to end up in a tie after Super Over. So people, people don't pay that much attention to such small probability of something happening. Because they've got bigger things to worry about, bigger fishes to fry. And it's no different from, again, the, the uh, rain rule. Rain rule penalized uh, teams for, being, for bowling maidens. Which blows your mind considering... You know, the whole concept of the game is to stop the other team from scoring runs because one additional run wins the game. And I'm sure team Richie Benoit, one of the wise minds of cricket, thought this through and that's the best you could come up with and nobody ever challenged it. Because, eh, you know, how often are you going to run into some situations? It's Australian summer. But then it happens and then you... And it happens in the biggest... One of the biggest stages, which is the semi-final. And then, obviously, you realize that rule is junk and God's what you deserve, you got trashed. Um, and same thing here, it's a junk rule, it get trashed. And you will have something more robust, like Duckworth Lewis came out of um, rain-affected match in 92, you'll have something better, more robust thing uh, coming out. Obviously, administrators are not going to get everything correct in the first iteration or second or third, but usually we, it'll get take um, cricket to a better place. So two, two out of 100... Uh, ODIs are tied on average. Look, all all sport is governed by rules which are ultimately arbitrary. You know, but rules in sport sort of acquire their own history and their own logic. This seems to me to be completely new ground. This idea of separating teams based on how they, what form their runs come in. And it's not even, not even extras versus runs from the bat. It's boundaries versus non-boundaries. That's a strange. That's a strange rule, but it, it's the rule. So there, I mean, there's not much that can be done about it. If India was on the wrong end of this result, I think the chances of this rule being changed were much would be much higher than if New Zealand is on the wrong end of this. Yeah, but I mean, it should be said that you know, look, as 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 it becomes harder to separate teams, the the types of rules you make to separate teams generally tend to become more and more absurd you know so it's sort of a 
it's sort of a measure of how close this game was and how good New Zealand were that it was ultimately decided on this absurdity you know and whether England and New Zealand and the ICC like it or not this remains sort of every time this final is mentioned it will be mentioned that well it was decided on the fact that England hit more boundaries than New Zealand you know which is i think kind of funny but yeah i mean uh, there were so many tiny things through the game that could have changed the result either way i mean if, if you start off with even the smallest like a misfield or the smallest uh, uh, the the ball that uh, martin guptill uh, threw in and which ricocheted off ben stokes's bat and went to the boundary and um, so many things so uh, subhash uh, you were telling us before the recording that uh, you actually were noting down uh, the lucky breaks that uh, the teams were getting in the run chase uh, can you tell us a bit about that i mean take the uh, first ball of uh, england's innings right lbw appeal um to roy and it stands as uh, umpire's call you know sure you know within mar- if it's within the margin of error and umpire's call stands fine if it is like isolated events f- fine but then you know i even took a screenshot of uh, the control percentage of the batsman in the first i think uh, five or six overs you know uh, r- roughly you're talking 15 16 balls something like that and uh, their control percentage was in the 40 40% meaning they were just playing missing or edging inside edging um, uh, falling short lbw appeals all these things are happening and yet roy and best over there and you know those are absolute critical uh to england's chances and uh, as you go along um the batting got more challenging uh and still you know uh, no batsman could really get in on this wicket um feel comfortable i think the only batsman on this pitch that looked reasonable to hit uh, was the jimmy nisham during his uh, 19 run innings while batting first as well as in the power play sorry super over uh other than that everybody struggled and okay butler made things look cool too but uh, you know there is just edges and edges and edges things falling short in uh, umpires decisions lot of things went england's way again and again and again and and then of course you have uh, trent bolt stepping on the cushion uh, while taking the catch so not only do uh, new zealand not dismiss ben stokes they also give away six runs and then immediately after um when martin guptill the hero of uh, directed to get dhoni out so that new zealand gets into the final once again goes for the direct hit but uh, hits ben stokes bat and goes for a four that's another six runs that's 12 runs in a game that both teams were tied uh, that's 12 runs that the basically england got gifted you know you could say well you know bolt should have been more careful you know he's one of the best boundary fielders you know anybody has seen new zealand play before this world cup or bolt in the ipl they know you would have seen how incredible fielder he is on the boundary um and he's aware of the boundary line and still he stepped on it and as ken williamson said in the end i guess it wasn't meant to be i mean there was there's so much luck going england's way that uh, they could draw parity with new zealand what about uh, the new for new zealand there must have been times when new zealand were lucky too right Yeah, absolutely uh, but uh, henry nichols um, you know gets an lbw appeal challenges it stays in uh, he doesn't do that in the previous time when they played uh, england at durham 
Whereas here, again, Martin Guptill, Plum, LBW, appeals it, and then umpire is proven to be correct, but then it takes away Ross Taylor's wicket when he was not out. So, you know, there were luck going, depending on how you want to see it, I would say it was distinctly trending, uh, significantly trending towards one team. Uh, look, I think England are clearly the better side. Uh, overall, over the last four years, they've probably been the best team in the world by some small distance over India. Uh, the one way in which New Zealand could compete in this final, uh, given the way matches have gone, uh, was to bat first and set a total and then defend it. Uh, and winning the toss was a big, big piece of luck for them. It's been a very, very difficult World Cup for run chases. Uh, and, and that's mainly because, you know, the wickets have sort of slowed down towards as, as you know, you've gone into the second innings and in some cases, even late in the first innings. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I thought, you know, Trent Bolt, uh, you know, as awesome as he is and he's clearly class bowler, this was not a wicket for him. I mean, this was a wicket for you know, change-ups. And, you know, this would have been a great pitch for Bhuvaneshwar Kumar or Mustafizur Rahman or one of those types of bowlers. And so I thought, you know, Santner bowling only three overs, uh, they could have used Santner a little bit longer and, you know, maybe held off, uh, you know, one out of Ferguson or Henry a little for a little bit later. Uh, that might have helped them because Ferguson is a little bit more suited to this this kind of pitch because, you know, he hits the wicket hard and he's got some raw pace and, and, and stuff like that. But those are really small things. I mean, I think overall England were the, England were clearly sort of on paper, the better sides, but, you know, New Zealand won the toss and boy, they made the most of it. I thought uh, the toss, if England had won, uh, Morgan uh, was leaning towards bowling first anyway. Um, so, because they had just done it against Australia uh, in the semi-final. So, he, I think that was the uh, news that came out that he was planning on um, bowling, given the conditions and stuff. Although, New Zealand uh, should have retained Ferguson and Jimmy Nisham to bowl majority of the last 10. Uh, if not all 10, at least 9. They could have bowled Henry and uh, Bolt earlier. Uh, the reason why they bowled Henry out earlier is because he doesn't do the uh, slowers that well. He doesn't hit the back of, he doesn't bash into the wicket as well as uh, the others do. He's more a kiss the surface kind of guy. Another thing that uh, Williamson did well in the India game was he kept Nisham for the 50th over um, by bowling everybody else out and wanted to keep that as a last over. If anybody's going to take a chance against my sixth bowler, this is when you, you know, it's, it's a very dony move uh, to do that. And, uh, to have that kind of bowler bowling the last over. Whereas here, you had Trent Bolt bowling the 50th and you know, uh, opposite thing happened. I mean, it, it, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that New Zealand have sort of overperformed in both the semi-final and the final. I saw a statistic that, you know, against India in the first 10 overs of India's innings, uh, India played 11 false shots and lost four wickets. And uh, New uh, England today played 16 false shots in 10 overs and lost just a wicket, you know. And uh, that you know, is those the definition of luck. 
<laughs> yeah, but those those things are sort of you know I mean eleven four is a lot of luck and sort of sixteen one is sort of you know probably one wicket too few. I don't necessarily think that 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 bit was unfair. One so, I want to add one thing about the super over, which is England chose to bowl Jafar Archer. Given the uh, given given the situations under which Jafar Archer entered the England team. uh fast track into the world cup squad and selected to play every game and the questions that surrounded jafarach's inclusion about how he was going to it might uh, affect the camaraderie team culture and spirit and all that bullshit for a neutral like me that kind of lean uh well that does not like uh, england winning any sporting event um and leaning towards new zealand um it was you're given uh, the rock and a hard place choice because you want new zealand to win but at the same time you don't want jafra archer to be saddled with this burden where the tory newspapers will run rough shot over him and that would be the end of you know anybody with this background again play cricket yeah you're like a proper neutral you're like a neutral who never wants england to win <laughs> if you're not from england um there is no reason to support england in anything ever <laughs> well but i don't i don't think jafra acha's career would have finished or anything i don't think his uh, it would have been the end of his career but i so think that this thing this this would be hung around his ne- neck forever you know oh why is he not taking five first every single innings he's a complete failure you know we told you for don't forget he has only been playing international cricket for two months and he's one of the top wicket takers of the 2019 world cup he's bowled and he's done that bowling basically in the first power play and the slog i mean he he's like a superstar he's like a phenomenon you know he's like basically the find of the world cup england have found like a real gem and to to england's credit they did pick him you know and the sort of the the cricket people over there who decide stuff they were under no doubt as to what his potential was i mean you you look at his record over 3 years he's taken 130 wickets at 23 first for for sussex and various teams he's played for you know so i mean clearly he was a special special player do, do you think uh, were you surprised with uh, the choice of uh, daptil and uh, uh, nisham walking in for the super over or uh, was that uh, you know just a call that people take in the super over and one shouldn't analyze it too deeply Um, no, I don't think uh, even if you want to analyze deeply, I don't think they had many options uh, beyond besides those two. For New Zealand, definitely, and England, I thought uh, they could have gone with uh, Butler and Roy because Stokes was so freaking tired by the time the fifty overs ended. I thought and they could have kept Stokes for uh, you know if one wicket had fallen down, Stokes had come in, the wicket had fallen down. Um, England was spoiled for choice um and uh, New Zealand did not have many Nisham looked to be able to hit on this wicket and Guptill generally looks to try to hit anyway I I could see think of like two reasons one on paper Nisham and Guptill are sort of by reputation power hitters the other thing which went in Guptill's favor I think even though he was not not in not been in very good form is that he's actually played archer a little bit whereas some of these other new zealand players i don't think they faced archer a lot you know so i think that probably went in his favor 
And also yeah. the fact that Guptil is extremely quick between the wicket, not yeah. quick enough. Uh, yeah, but that in, was like what he, yeah. he said it straight to the fielder, never two over. I, mean, I know, had, I get that. If he had hit, if he had actually made two there, that would have been like, you know, revolutionary. If the batsman starts hitting it straight to the boundary field right and hit and run in two, then like that would be something. In the middle overs, though, when the tension started building, the game got closer. I mean, once England, uh, once Morgan fell, you know, the uh, it became New Zealand. Then uh, sort of their chances increased and. Uh, Let's talk a bit about that phase when Butler and Stokes were batting and uh, mm. Paul in the grand home. I mean, uh, came up with a wonderful spell, that uh, nice line and length and hitting the rhythm. And then Henry, uh, they brought Henry back after a good first spell. They brought him back. And then, um, you know, they had, they had, there was a nice battle going on until England then started to edge ahead with the partnership going on. Thought that was uh, probably the most en- one of the most engrossing as- uh, passages of play. Yeah, and that was, I mean, and and you know, Josh Butler is a fantastic player, and I like Ben Stokes. I and mean, these are like once in a generation players. They are like really, really top top players. But in the beginning of that innings, he was taking chances and they were not coming off. But things were falling for him. You know, there was a there was an over in which he. Uh, in, in which he sort of, he missed it like, I think, two balls in the same over and the first one fell short of short third uh, of, of third man and the second one fell between point and cover, you know. Uh, and uh, then he hit a boundary which was like, you know, he was not in control and it went, you know, it sort of lobbed past cover, guptil at cover point and it was like not very far away. You know, it was, uh, it was not his most fluent beginning, but sort of he, he has this nerveless quality to him. You know, and like he's like A.B. de Villiers, like nerveless quality. You know, and then when he starts meeting the ball well, then he, he he's got tremendous power. You know, he's some player. Both of them are like outstanding players, I think. You know, uh, but you know the more conventional batsmen suffered. You know, I mean, actually when. New Zealand batted. Williamson also had a very, very cautious start. And Root had a very cautious start. And, you know, Williamson played and missed a few times early in his innings, trying to do exactly what Root was trying to do to sort of, you know, get out of this. He was he was getting stuck and he wanted to stop getting stuck. So he tried to sort of lash out. And Williamson played and missed. But, you know, Root got the edge. The, the thing with the 240 score is like it's still a one-stand score, right? You have a one strand of a century and, you know, your target is suddenly down to two figures pretty much uh, by, by the time you get to your middle order. Is this like a Philip for a big Philip for English cricket? Is one-day cricket uh, going to be something that uh, they embrace more? What, what is going to happen according to you in your cricket, estimate? Cricket is a minority sport in England. Um, and uh, obviously, it's not on free-to-air uh, television. Just because you put it on free-to-air on one game, and as it turns out, uh, you know, one of the best games of ODIs, uh, to be honest, uh, doesn't automatically mean that uh, people are going to flock um, and start picking up a cricket ball or a bat and start playing 
uh, highly highly doubt that because those things don't happen by flicking a switch it's a because grassroots dev- development is a long hard toil uh, by investing money into it uh, and people into it effort into it um so the game is hidden um from the commoners and it's also it's a rich man sport in england and it's always been that way and it'll stay that way so you, you know the moinalis and uh, Rashid rashids and stuff that you see they are rare they're not common it's still a public school uh, driven sport uh, conservative sport and the powers that be want will keep it that way you know the fact that it can go to free to uh, sorry go to pay television that means it is geared towards people that can pay um, you know 40 pounds a month uh for cricket subscription i mean it depends on what they do after this game you know because clearly millions of people are going to be like completely taken up by this and this is the first time england have won a world cup but next next week when the ashes start again it's on sky i mean is this going to suddenly increase sky subscriptions is this the is that the effect of this free to air thing i'll tell you what it effective it's it's it will have a direct effect uh on the the 100 that 100, might benefit exactly the 100 uh, because yeah. that will be available on things and now they will spin this uh into the franchise that they've always wanted to do one thing i want to say before wrapping this up is i was interested to know about um the game and uh, how people are likely to remember it and how much they're likely to remember it and how uh, of course during the game uh, reactions are instant and people are saying it's the uh, best w- best uh, one day game ever best game of cricket ever etc etc but um, i think that these are some things that uh, we are better placed to uh, judge at a later date you know looking back but well, how do you think this game is likely to be remembered subhash you were making a point uh, earlier in the before we recorded about uh, how you don't think it will be as uh, memorable as people may assume it to be i mean it's a tie game right and we have had many ties in the history of cricket i remember one in 1991 92 australia west indies so uh, in in 30 years time i'll remember it just as well as i remember that game uh you know 126 defending 126 india you know tendulkar comes and bowls a 41st over takes the 10th wicket you know i remember so since i watched this game i'll remember it but here the additional thing is that it's a world cup final so it, you could say um it assumes a um, lot more importance from that point of view that it happened uh, a tie game or, you know it, it's a long and winding tournament and the one tie game happens to be the final game of the tournament the odds are that any of the 48 games would have been a tie game so now we have to associate uh, more importance to the tie because it happened at at the last um game of the tournament and this is no different from saying some players are clutch it's no different because runs are runs wickets are wickets uh to say that you know no player goes and says you know what i'm not going to take wickets in my first nine overs and last over i'm going to take six so yeah. you're saying in terms of the in terms of what happened in the game right uh, because the uh, memories can work in uh, different ways uh, one of course is the memory of different stages of the game and uh, you know uh, the the cricket itself the cricketing memory 
and then the other is the personal memory so you think you're talking about the actual cricketing memory right i mean there might be like people that were at lords you know mm. watching the game they may have a completely different version of the events because i am only watching the version of events that the tv producer uh, chose to put it together so in that sense the majority of the people that experiences came outside of lords may have very may have similar uh, attachment to this game except if you are you know a die hard england fan that couldn't wait wanted to wanted to see england win a world cup in their lifetime it might be different uh, whereas for the majority of the cricketing world it's it's a tie ball game decided by a kind of bizarre rule established rule but bizarre that's it you know most games you don't remember them after a long after a while you know maybe if it's a test match you remember parts of it but especially limited overs games you don't remember them but world cup finals you remember them like i i didn't even watch the 1983 world cup final but i i, I mean that is some memory you didn't even watch the I, game but you remember it that is some yeah, memory yeah but i have been unable to like ignore the fact that every time they show some show on cricket they are in the montage there's the picture of you know uh, mohinda ramanath you know with his you know like dancing on the cloud style run up and you know he sort of bowls what looks like an impossibly slow ball to 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 michael holding and michael holding tries to pull it and misses it and ramanath goes up in appeal and then like as soon as he realizes that the umpire is going to put his finger up he just turns and takes off like you know i remember that you know i remember uh, Arjuna Ranatunga you know you playing that little annoying little you know what he would be call a late cut and what i would call a edge uh to third man to the third man boundary and then you know running faster than he's ever run in his life you know because they won the world cup you know uh i remember you never forget you remember uh, you know uh, alan donald uh, turning staring at the ball and then taking off and then getting run out at the striker's end you know and similarly you're not going to be allowed to forget the sight of joss butler diving collecting the ball and diving to break the wickets as you know martin guptill dives into the to make his ground and fails you know so that's going to be the memory of the world cup although i think maybe for some people you know trent bolt stepping on the boundary rope may be a memory or you know that ball glancing off uh, stokes is bat and going for four that may be a memory so those are those are things that people will remember those are like the, they are like the handles by which people will remember these matches yes there will be like certain images of this uh, game uh, that will be played over and over just like kapil dev taking a catch of uh, vivian richards things like that you know dhoni's six uh, mark was really, catch from the 99 final or brendan mcallum getting bowled uh, by yeah. mr stark you know there are certain moments of the match you'll remember so if i am going to remember this match as uh, by the handful of moments the same way i'm going to remember 2015 world cup then you tell me no no i get what you're saying i i get what you're saying and uh, i agree that uh, with the profusion of uh, entertainment and sporting options that uh, the vividness of the memories is probably not as uh, uh you know focused as it was say from back when there were not that many options but but kartikeya one point uh, is uh, 
in terms of this greatest game and things does do these things uh, interest you at all there must be a way to evaluate the quality of games right i know all yeah, games yeah. are equal but yeah. the, to evaluate the quality of games uh, there must be some metrics and some way to do it and yeah especially now you know that now with like some of the data that these quickwiz people have you know like you you can look at one of one of the things i would like to see is like i would like to see like how many how many balls were really challenging how many deliveries were challenging and how many deliveries were not challenging because that's usually what decides the quality of a game right that you know how mu- how much of the bowling is good that's what decides the quality of a cricket ultimately you know uh because the bowler gets to begin the play and you know if the bowler keeps offering free hits all the time then it it, it just it's not a good contest between bat and ball so that's what i think a quality cricket matches where you know and and like the quality of the cricket in this world cup especially once you get to the like the top 5 or 6 teams has been really good you know i mean the teams have i mean the the quality of one day cricket that teams are playing now is really high you know i mean in the sense that you know there are really well worked out plans and you can really see like the the maturation of you know video technology and video analysis uh, like it spread to like the top 6 or 7 teams and they are really able to take advantage of it like that last ball which jofra archer bowled i don't think it was an accident i think they knew where where he was going to bowl it and they knew where they expected uh, the batsman to hit it in the sense that i think they were prepared to uh, prepared to say to the batsman that okay if you can back away to leg and hit this over cover for four good luck to you you know if you can do that then well you know we we'll put our hand up you are too good for us but this is where we want you to play and this is what we want to defend and to get that right you know that's not just something that you make up on the morning of the game that's something you thought up you know after hours and hours of video work and hours and hours of planning and stuff like that and it's not just england you know india did that you know new zealand definitely did that australia did that and even when they do that some a player like jason roy can just blow you away you know that is that is the standard at the very top of the game you know so i mean it's been it's been a pleasure to watch and it's a really really good cricket you know uh, like outside of test cricket this is pretty much as good as it gets i think i think yeah, the it'll be conditions the conditions uh, were challenging yeah. enough for yeah. it was not a tournament there weren't roads that much is true that was really that, hard that meant it was going to be uh, the teams because you're bringing your top 10 teams in the world right so they are by and large you know sure if you look at the number one ranked team england versus number 10 ranked team afghanistan yes there's a major gulf in quality of the team individual player pound for pound right but other than that there's like you know the quality is not that uh, varied um and the conditions meant that you had to respect it and uh, there was a contest between bat and ball um so you had to be very very clear in what is it that you want to do whether when you have the ball in your hand or the bat in hand you had to know what you had to do and you had to prepare well um so from that point of view that england finishing as the champions actually gives um 
stamp of approval to what they have been wanting to do since uh, 2015, which is develop this approach, uh, develop these players. This is the mechanism by which we're going to play ODIs and um, try to win the World Cup at home. So from that point of view, um, England's it's a major check mark for what they've tried to do and have accomplished. Yeah, but I think I think that's true. That's true. But I think up until last year, it was not clear that it would work, and that was because England was England until last year. I think were sort of built exclusively for high-scoring games. You know, but in the last year or so, they found like first they found Mark Wood and then they found Jofra Archer, and both of them take wickets, and both of them are quick. And another and thing, another they thing, keep they the did, batsman uh, honest. Another you know, thing that they was their uh, batting go much further. The uh, another thing that England accepted and uh, was that uh, you know they needed to play Plunkett instead of Moeen Ali. Once they made that. And Jason Roy came back from his injury. They were pretty solid team, top to bottom, no matter whether they were bowling or batting. And yeah, that's, from, that's that point of view, from that point of view, I would say that a team that was tabbed as the pre-tournament favorites and as the tournament progressed and once they hit their strides, were considered to be the favorites again, um, ended up, ends up winning the whole thing. Right. So from that point of view, absolutely, I'm thrilled for the England, uh, England team members. Yeah, I mean, if uh, the, as uh, Michael Atherton had written in his column, he had said that, uh, you know, England are the number one ODI side. They've been playing really good ODI cricket for four years. But this, there is that one, one day or that one moment that, you know, they would like to put their stamp on. I mean, whether that's fair or unfair or... Uh, that is all something we can debate on. But he said in terms of, uh, you know, it's, it's like planting the flag. And uh, yeah. I think in that sense, England winning the World Cup is, uh, you know, if you look back over the last four years. I mean, if they, want, if they want one game to put that, you know, hold on to say like, this is who the England of 2015 to 19 are, they should actually look at the semi-final against Australia, not the final. Yeah. No, actually, I will say I will say one thing though that you know this is this is not like what Australia was in the 2000s when they were so far ahead of everybody else that even if they lost a couple of players to injury, they were still good enough to you know be more than competitive against everybody and they would win. You know, here the within the top four or five teams. You know, and I will also include New Zealand in them, especially in these types of conditions. Uh, the presence or absence of a few players has made a big difference. You know, England were a very different team without Roy, and India were a very different team without Dhawan. You know, and you know, I don't think either of these teams are good enough to withstand that kind of loss, that kind of injury, and and it makes them worse. You know, and that sort of one, there's a level above that, which was sort of Australia. But whether that was because there was no other team as good as any of these teams, I don't know. Probably. But, uh, by the way, just to carry the logic forward, uh, Australia were in the same team without Sean Marsh once he got hurt too. So, Joking. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course man. <laughs> All right. So that's uh, pretty much uh, what we have time for. 
thank you so much, uh, Subhash, and thank you, uh, Kartikeya, for joining. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Sidvi. So that brings us to the end of another episode of the 81 All Out podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you prefer. It would be wonderful if we could leave a rating and a review so that more people find us. You can also follow us on Twitter at 81 All Out and check out all our previous podcasts and articles on our website, 81allout.com. In case you're still listening, here's a shout out to our sister podcast on regional movies, whereistheotherbanana.com. You can follow them on Twitter at The Other Banana and watch out for updates on all the movie reviews and discussions that they put out. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on the work we do. So please send us your feedback. Goodbye. In the air, Shishan takes it. India win. He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get